0: Our Father, we are again aware, very well aware, of our special position in our Lord Jesus Christ in the heavenlies, having been forgiven of every sin, every offense has been set aside, and we are welcomed into your very, very, very most intimate presence uh, whenever, whenever we, we, we desire. You've asked us to come boldly. And uh, Father, I, I pray for each one uh, under the uh, hearing of this ministry at this time that uh, you would work in a special way in their hearts to bring them great blessings according to the riches of your grace. And I pray, Father, that this might cause the things of earth to grow strangely dim uh, in the light of your glory and grace, as uh, those great verses say, and as the great hymn also says, that we love so much. Father, there are many challenges, but none of them compare to the glorious blessings we have in Christ Jesus and the prospect we have of an eternal uh, presence with him and with our Heavenly Father. Father, I, I just call out to you to, uh, to work In our midst, there are so many uh, issues that we all face, some much more than others, as we go through this crisis still here in this country and in the world. And uh, Father, there are so many suffering, great loss, some suffering losses we can't even uh, enter into uh, at all. They're so great and uh, our hearts go out to them. And, Father, you know all of their needs, and you hear their cries, and you hear the cries of the Spirit in your people. So, Father, I just commit them all to you, and may may your people receive the great blessings uh, and be able to rest in accordance with those blessings. Father, I pray for the circumstances in our country, that you would protect a great, great many uh, so many are overwhelmed, Father. Plans are greatly changed by necessity and uh, the enemy has interfered with much around the world and also here. Father, I pray for our, our country, I pray for our leaders, for our president, our vice president, those that serve honorably with them. So Father, we look forward. we look forward to our meeting today. And uh, we thank you that we can gather and that we can use this means to honor you. And I pray that you'd open our hearts to your, your precious, precious word. And we would thank you in Christ's name, Father, and amen. Amen. Today we open up a wonderful letter, and it's Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians and as a title i thought a while about that what what summarizes this entire chapter of the best and i just came up with a few words out of one of the verses there those verses all together make a strong statement that can be summarized just in these words and those words are to you who are troubled rest to you who are troubled, rest. So that's uh, what Paul has written there in uh, Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter one, and uh, and in uh, verse number seven, to you who are troubled, rest with us. With us. Um, there's a great bond between believers and uh, that includes us not only the Thessalonians who would read this letter or hear it read over and over I am sure throughout their lives because they may not have had anything else of the holy word but this Uh, and the first letter of course uh, I'm sure they haven't forgotten that never would Uh, but um they were bonded together with the Apostle Paul, and so he says to you who are troubled, rest with us, together with us. So we have a privilege to be bonded all together and with the Lord Jesus and to rest in the sufficiency of his grace. Um, last time we finished up chapter 5, I wonder if that's such a good word, finished the chapter its sort of impossible to ever do that. Uh, I hope you realize that going back and rereading is extremely important and that uh, you shouldn't cease reading in chapter five, just because we've gone on to chapter one of, <laughs> of the second letter. It's not a re- ever a reason to stop reading the scripture that you've already read before. Uh, repetition is greatly of value. And, uh, Sure, helps with taking God at His word, doesn't it? To reread and reconsider, and when you do that, God will give you more understanding. He'll continue to open your heart. I've I've had my heart opened in such a precious way just in the last couple of days, dwelling here in the first letter to, and the second letter rather to the Thessalonians, chapter one, and uh, it's just amazing, really. I hope i can share that with you effectively this morning to do that we're going to have to move quickly and i had intended to kind of give an overview of chapter five of first thessalonians now i'm reconsidering and thinking perhaps we shouldn't do it but just to read three verses that pretty much summarize the teaching there um Chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians, verses 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, let's never forget that. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Don't ever, therefore, dwell in what you don't know about the will of God when you have this clear revelation. When we're concerned about the will of God and we're in anxiety and perhaps fear, as the Thessalonians probably were when they read this or heard it read, uh, The answer was, in everything, give thanks, rejoice. Never stop worshiping the Lord in prayer. Prayer isn't for asking what we want as much as it is for asking what God wants. Prayer is an act of worship. And uh, it is to be practiced without interruption because it's a state of mind that's transforming. And all uh, that that means uh, is compatible with uh, giving thanks for everything. In fact, it's all part of the same thing. Giving thanks for everything, but this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you can give God thanks for everything, you're already at that point in time in the will of God. Praise the Lord. Huh? He goes on. He says, don't quench the spirit and so forth. Holy Spirit wants to apply in our hearts uh, the truths of God. And he is a, like a fire burning. And I praise burning in your heart as he should be in all of our hearts. Always. OK. Um, God is the one working out this plan. And chapter five, verse twenty four says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Hmm. (laughs) This is not so much about us and what we must do for God. It's very much about what God has uh, promised to do for us. It's all part of the calling of God. Now, Paul's going to dwell on that same theme as he continues in his second letter now between the first letter and the second letter there had to be some time that passed and i i'm uh, wondering uh, how much it's probably a quite a lot because uh, it was enough time that uh, messengers had come to paul indicating that there were some real issues in the church in Thessalonica and uh, and paul was so concerned for them because of persecution there had already been persecution. Remember, in, in in the first letter, he says, don't be amazed at the persecution. You've been appointed to this, right? Remember, I told you when I was with you. So one of the things he would taught them when he was with them for the three and a half weeks, and that's all the time he was with them, uh, he had taught them concerning the coming trials that would be great, as they were witnesses for the Lord. <clears throat> And uh, that had all taken place, and so Paul is very concerned hearing that there are ongoing uh, trials that seem overwhelming to the saints of God who lived there in Thessalonica. So he he says he's he's, uh, needed to send Timothy, and... uh, just to find out how it's going well he did send timothy and timothy came back and gave a good report and that then formed the basis for this particular letter uh, based upon timothy's report of how things were going in thessalonica but there are still issues and i think though it's not written here directly in this section that the issues are ongoing with the false teachers and that's why paul needs to address the timing of the return of the lord for the saints of god for the members of the body of christ Um, he has to address that because the false teachers had mistaught the people after paul uh, left town and uh, that's what caused the problems that uh, he needed to address in the first letter. And so now he's continuing on here in the second letter addressing those. That that's in Chapter 2, not in Chapter 1. Chapter 1 has a different focus, and I'd like us to, to look at that today. Um, so first of all, let's read. So Linda, I'd like you to read the first three verses, please. Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy, unto the church of the Thessalonians, God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is me, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all towards each other aboundeth. Thank you, Linda. So this is uh, thanks to God for them, okay? because God is the one who's working in and through them. Verse 3, we're bound to thank God always. <laughs> He's not thanking them that they've been obedient. He's thanking God that they've been obedient. I find that just uh, precious, okay? Uh, yes, God does set us on a course, and he wants us to be lights in the darkness, and he wants us to be bold for him. And and there are so many things that uh, a believer... Uh, will be encouraged to do by the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and because our new nature desires the things of God. And so the fruit its like a a tree that's planted, that's mature. I mean, it wants, (laughs) you can say, to bear fruit. Uh, But there are enemies. The enemies come, right? So will the, the tree bear fruit or will it not? Perhaps none, perhaps only a small amount. Or maybe the quality won't quite be what the Lord God would most desire to see. But nevertheless, uh, it is God who worketh in worketh in us to will and to do of his good pleasure, as Paul wrote to the Philippians, right? Okay, so at the beginning, we have the salutation, Paul, Silvanus, and Tim- Timothy, uh, to the church of the Thessalonians. Um, and... Then grace unto you and peace. This is the standard uh, salutation of blessing here at the beginning of the letters of Paul. And uh, very much grace and peace is on Paul's mind as he writes the letter and he wants the Thessalonians to have it uh, daily, hourly, moment by moment, to experience it fully, to know all the dimensions of it, right? Even though they're in great trial greatly persecuted we have no conception of what they were going through uh, or what other believers have gone through down through the ages i've been really impressed by that reading church history the last couple of days uh, most uh, believers who stood for the truth of god and certainly who proclaimed the gospel of grace suffered greatly many of them were persecuted to death a great, great many. I was reading about them yesterday. But uh, and if you want to read about this, one of the best places is Fox's Book of Martyrs. Okay. In fact, I was reading out of Fox's Book of Martyrs yesterday and was really overcome to consider it. Uh, and that's what the Thessalonians were entering into. Um, I'm sure of it because Paul doesn't diminish or minimize in any way the trials that they were in or would yet be in. In fact, uh he he just tells them this is to be expected. Now, surely that was causing them great concerns. I mean, if you, if you see your um parent or parents or your grandparents uh, die a cruel death, uh what is your response? going to be right it's not as if simply dying of of illness or something that's that's hard enough but what if they're martyred right how does that affect one's faith do we become bolder as a result or do we back away to protect ourselves from the enemy that way and i'm sure that was something that faced these believers to whom he was writing here so Paul begins the letter on a very positive note with the salutation and then with this blessing. And then it says, thanks be unto God concerning you and how God has already worked. Okay. So that's the way he begins. But then he gets to the main subject here of the first chapter. And I find this really more than precious. It's just really overwhelming. Um The central teaching here, it's uh, something one could read through so quickly and miss the whole meaning of it, or nearly the whole meaning of it. Uh, And actually, that's exactly what I've done. I've taught this letter many times in the last uh, 50-some years, but um, never carefully enough, I guess I'd have to say, looked at it sufficiently to see some of the things that i have now come to see so lord willing i'll be able to communicate those things to you this morning and may it be a great blessing to you too um, to realize what paul wrote here and how he comforted them the way he comforted these believers is not unique to this letter in fact it's common Paul often writes of these matters that he writes to them about here, uh, in his other letters. It's certainly true in Ephesians, Colossians, in uh, in the pastoral epistles, in Romans, in the Corinthian letters, uh, in Philippians. Oh my, in Philippians. But but though it's a common theme, when we read Second Thessalonians chapter one, we might be kind of thinking on a different plane and miss the whole context of what's written so let's not miss the context you remember how paul ended the first letter and it was of course with a very strong statement concerning the rapture uh, of the church which is christ's body right and how the church will not be in in the time of trial coming upon this earth it will have to be removed first therefore we looked at that last time the principles of grace uh, that we live under don't don't uh, fit in at all into the tribulation period. It's not the same sort of work of God. It's a totally different kind of work there than what we are seeing today. And that's so important to uh, to realize. Um, so really, when Paul begins the second letter, it, it, the context of the second letter is the first letter. Don't ever think otherwise. I mean, after all, as I've said before, and I surely believe, these letters being rather early, they probably do not have any other portion of the Word of God available to them. Probably not even the Old Testament was available. After all, most of these believers here are Gentiles. Okay? Some were surely Jewish proselytes before, <clears throat> but but maybe not that many. Okay, so I doubt that they had other scriptures. Most of the other... Uh, books of the New Testament weren't written yet. Okay, so I believe they had the first letter and that had been copied and sent around to the churches and by now uh, probably, and now the second letter. Okay, so they uh, have a context in their minds of the rapture that's forefront for in the forefront there of their thinking. And so when we get to these verses now, which we'll read, I, I hope you will be able to put them into that context. It's very, very important. Okay, so Gail, please uh, begin this section, Second the Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Thank you, Gail. And now, continuing on, I would like Charlie 6-10. Seeing it as a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Charlie, for reading that for us this morning. The context is so important. Remember, the context is the rapture. And so what Paul is writing here has to be consistent with that teaching. And you'll see that it is, I hope. But I may say some things this morning that trouble you. Uh, They may trouble you, not not in any serious way. It's just that uh, you may never have considered before what I'm going to share this morning. Because there's a teaching here that we may not have ever thought of. Before, because we live in the realm of grace, and uh, grace is the realm of blessings, <laughs> blessings, blessings, blessings. Right now, many twist the teachings of grace and make it into a prosperity uh, gospel or something of that sort. When it's not right, <clears throat> but uh, some have uh, been taught that 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 God, God's desire for his people is, is just glorious indeed. And uh, if we don't have, uh, it's because we haven't prayed, we haven't lived correctly or whatever, and God's bringing judgment upon us. And that's totally contrary to the uh, correct teaching, as Paul uh, reveals it here. <clears throat> okay, so what does he say? He says... Um, we glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. There wasn't a problem with their patience or their faith, and for that reason they had been persecuted and were suffering tribulation. Not at all. Rather, believers live godly, as you well know, will suffer persecution, Right. He'd already said back in, in uh, chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians that they, they were appointed to this. He also said that in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. Okay, so, so that these trials would come wasn't uh, unexpected. It was part of the plan of God, in other words. And verse 5, what does it say? It says, but it, what it says, I think, is what may cause you to think twice or three times, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which also ye suffer. One could totally twist this and draw conclusions that are not proper, okay? Because he's not talking about the righteous judgment of God on the Thessalonians there. That would be a totally incorrect conclusion. Paul nowhere has said anything to that effect, right? And he's not saying it here, okay? And in fact, you'll see that he mentions the righteous judgment of God again in verse 6. So let's just consider that. It's the same thing mentioned in verse um, um, 5 as in verse 6. Uh, so verse 5 again, which is a manifest token. So the persecutions and tribulations that you endure are a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Okay, so the righteous judgment of God will be upon those that reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and who therefore persecute the believers. That's the righteous judgment he's considering right here. And it's it's a sure thing. Verse six says, "Seeing it is." The, the word that those words are translated elsewhere. Um, indeed, or uh, indeed it is clear, or whatever, or it's clearly manifested, right? Um, or <laughs> in the King James, often if so be, it's a King James way of saying it's absolutely true. Don't question it for a moment. Okay, the Greek words simply mean. Yes, indeed, it is true. So so what Paul is saying that considering the coming judgment of God on unbelievers, which is part of the plan, the eternal plan of God, right? Considering that and the certainty of it, don't consider your current persecutions to be anything at all compared to that, okay? And in fact... You will suffer now in this, in the flesh, as it were, and they will suffer then eternally. They're not suffering now in the flesh. In fact, here they are persecuting you. They're on top of the world, right? But later, when the plan of God is brought to completion, they're the ones who will be suffering and you'll be enjoying his glory. And that's the whole point of this section. OK, it's to contrast the one against the other. OK, OK. He's, he uses the word a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Interestingly, that word manifest token, the Greek word is the word we get our word indication from. In fact, it is the word indication in Greek. OK, it's but when he says it's an indication, uh, <clears throat> What we're suffering now, he says, is an indication of God's righteous judgment coming later for them. Okay. In other words, he's saying there's some kind of equivalence here. And this may not have ever been considered by you or by me before. In fact, I hardly have considered it until recently. right? Though, you know, Paul is mentioned elsewhere, and we can find a lot of places where he talks about suffering together with Ooh, with who with christ right that we may be glorified later right you remember all these places and here on sunday morning we've spent a lot of time looking at them over the last couple of years right and uh, and so paul does often write about suffering now in glory later the two are connected but what we may not have ever stopped to think about is why they're connected. Why must we suffer now? We dwell in the glories of God's grace, right? He's pouring his benefits out upon us. So why is suffering in this life, therefore, even allowed? Why, why are we not delivered from it altogether? And so many today will tell you that it is uh, what God wants to give you, but just hasn't because of your own failures and your own sin. And that's far from the truth. That's not what Paul is teaching here. What is he teaching here? What does he mean when he says that you might be counted worthy of the kingdom of God? <laughs> and when will that occur? Okay. Well, the when it occurs is at the judgment seat of Christ. And you remember, we we considered this before, um, how at the judgment seat of Christ, uh There will be many things burned, okay? Our works that were not honoring God and on the proper foundation of Christ will be burned, right? And what will be left, those works that were indicative of God's work in us that glorified the Lord. And and blessings, in fact, rewards will be given at that time. Remember that teaching, okay? That's when the uh, worthiness is going to be revealed. Okay. God, God is counting us worthy of the kingdom and not worthy of eternal suffering. In fact, we're not even worthy of the suffering of the tribulation. We're way above it and beyond it. Our worthiness goes way beyond it. Okay. And so we are going to be counted worthy and the, Suffering that we undergo now, the persecution we undergo now, is therefore in some way to be expected. In fact, he says, on behalf of which you suffer, that that language indicates this connection, right? They're suffering now, but glory later. And why should this all occur? Because we are joined to Christ with a perfect bond, okay? Does Christ suffer today? Don't think that he doesn't. Is Christ not suffering due to (laughs) the evils of this world and the unwillingness to believe the gospel and the unwillingness of many believers to take God at his word regarding his grace? Right. Absolutely. Christ suffers today. Uh, There's no question about it. And Paul writes a lot about that. And we've already looked at many of those verses. So that we would be drawn into, in fact, he uses the word calling for this, that we'd be drawn into this amazing course of eternal blessing that involves us living here uh, in this world, suffering muchly because of our testimony right and yet in the end being honored and glorified eternally with him and sharing in his glory i'm just going to read one verse where paul writes of that in romans romans chapter 8 and here's that word translated uh uh Seeing there in the verse we just looked at, verse six, seeing same Greek words there in romans eight seventeen only there he uses the word If so be, okay, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be or seeing that we suffer with him that we may be glorified together, okay, so our present suffering and persecution points forward if we could only see behind the scenes uh, paul writes a lot about it in philippians chapter one uh, i'll just read he, he's writing to encourage the believers he says don't be terrified by your adversaries uh, they don't know what's going on really here that you're suffering but will be glorified they're glorified now in the world they will be suffering uh, they don't know they don't know that uh, he says to you it is given in the behalf of christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Okay. So there's righteousness with God in the way that he's managing our affairs. He's drawn us into this special privileged relationship with the risen and with the ascended Christ. And we suffer together with him because we're still in this world, this fallen world, this world that Satan uh, manages, right? Uh, and we're still here, and therefore it's essential that we also suffer together with our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what a what a privilege to know this. <clears throat> now, the King James translators, and this is sort of my main closing point today, if only they had put parentheses in the right place there <laughs> and not translated a word uh, the way they did in verse 7, but... <clears throat> Um, in verse seven verses seven through nine uh second part of verse seven through the end of nine is parenthetical okay he's saying consider this you're suffering here greatly right consider this how they're going to suffer later the ones persecuted you to the death even right oh horrible as that is right Later, you'll be in glory, and they'll they'll be the ones suffering. Okay, and when will that all occur? Well, it'll happen when Christ judges them, right? And so, the second part of verses seven down to nine just give a give a, 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 a sort of a heavenly uh, um, thumbnail sketch of that, which is quite amaz- amazingly glorious. Some commentators think that there was a psalm, a hymn that uh, they had been taught, (laughs) that they sang, and these were the words of that. Okay, the words are, In the Lord Jesus shall be revealed uh, from heaven with mighty angels taking flaming fire, or in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of his power. And amen, and amen. So put parentheses around that. The word when, I think, is said as a translation. There is a word when at the beginning of verse 10, which really does mean when. It's talking about the very time of the rapture. But here in verse 7, he's just saying, consider this, you know, in that, in that would be an excellent translation. In that, so, rest he says rest with us rest with us because the others who are persecuting you they will later suffer the judgment of god and when will that occur well we know from other scriptures when that will occur it will primarily occur but at the great white throne judgment okay that's when unbelievers will be judged if you're living on the earth in the tribulation period after the rapture, you'll suffer severe consequences as well. Nothing, though, compared to what occurs at the great white throne judgment. So put parentheses around from where it says when in verse 7 down to the end of verse 9. Then verse 10 brings us to the conclusion. That's where we uh, will have to stop today. Um, and then we'll continue on next time with the next verses. But in verse 10, what does Paul say? He says, rest with us. Remember the rest is parenthetical there. Rest with us. What, how and when? Well, because of the rapture, right? When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. In other words, When Paul came to town preaching, they had believed, right? That secured their entire future. Just that simple act of faith. It secured their blessing eternally. It also secured trials and tribulations in this life. So be it, right? But he shall come to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired in all them that believe, right? So it's a reciprocal thing. He's glorified in his saints and uh, by them as well, right? And through them. What a blessing. It's all his great work under grace. So when trials come, you do not think that somehow the enemy is winning, The enemy will never win. All the enemy is doing is securing his eternal future. And that's not the side you want to be on. And you're not on if you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're on the right side. So many are not. They're on the wrong side. Well, praise the Lord for his grace today. And uh, Lord bless all of you. And if you have any questions, there's time for that. There's always time for that. Or any comments? Father God, thank you for gathering us today and for the blessings of your word. Please write it upon our hearts. And may we know well the full dimensions of what it means to be joined to our Lord Jesus Christ. We're joined to him. And the consequences are in many dimensions. Blessings, spiritual, every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies are ours already today, every spiritual blessing. But, Father, there are consequences of being joined to him. And as we're lights in the darkness, uh, there are many who are enemies of the cross of Christ. So I pray for them, Father, that you'd be transforming them through their hearts, through our witness and through our words And uh, may in these dark days, many still be drawn to you in saving faith. And I would ask this, Father, in Christ's name and, and amen. Amen.